Hello and welcome to the first 2016 episode of the MobyCast. I'm thrilled to have a programmatic marketing expert on today named Victor Lopez. He blogs under programmarketer.com and reveals all sorts of great information about the sometimes confusing world of programmatic marketing. Uh, he works at Havas also out of Miami. Uh, welcome to the program, Victor. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries. So uh, talk a little bit about uh, you, you work at Havas. What's your role there? So for the Havas Miami office, I'm the uh, head of programmatic down here, among other things. Uh, I've been with the agency now five years. Um, before that, I was kind of on my own uh, doing a bunch of different things. Uh, I would say my digital marketing career started around 2003, uh, creating websites, um, kind of on the coding side. Uh, from there, kind of launched into uh, PPC, uh, did affiliate marketing as well. Uh, copywriting, I mean, you know, when you do affiliate marketing, you got to kind of do do everything. Uh, copywriting, um, email marketing, just a little bit of everything. Uh, and so I, I always tell people this is my first uh, kind of real 9-to-5 job that I've had. Nice. Um, and then you also blog under programmarketer.com. Why did you start that blog? Sure. So I, I, would, I would be reading around. I, I've been... Uh, part of the programmatic team here for about three years now, which is uh, very old in programmatic terms. Um, and I, I would look at articles being written uh, about programmatic and, and basically people just talk about how it's the next great greatest thing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but you never really saw any concrete uh, information on how to set up a campaign, um, you know, just uh, more how to people just kind of articles just cover what it is not how to do it um, so that, that's where kind of my focus comes in on, on the how-to basis nice yeah a lot of people sort of uh, think it sort of automatically happens and sure. there are a lot of yeah. nuts and bolts that go into it a lot exactly so as I was mentioning before we have a diverse uh, audience for this podcast let's just start with the basic uh, your basic definition of what programmatic digital marketing is Sure. So, so programmatic, and, and this is, I think, because of the way programmatic uh, kind of encompasses um, all channels and disciplines from display to, you know, video from desktop to mobile, um, people get confused. Uh, I think before everything was put into a nice little slot, you know, this is this, this is that. And programmatic can work across all of these things, and I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes in. So, uh, programmatic to me, how how I explain it here with the with the trainings we do is uh, sort of a Lego system of digital marketing. You can put you can build these Legos any way you want them to create an end product, uh, and so that that's as best as, as I can define it. That's interesting. So it's a modular approach where you're you're using. Um, different vendors uh, for different parts of the of the funnel. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, interesting. That's uh, so. It makes for a bit of a disjointed field, I would imagine, at this stage, at this early stage in the game. Yeah, it's not it's not the easiest thing to to convince someone of or, or get across. Uh, even in you know, uh, amongst my own team, uh, it's it's been a challenge for especially people coming from, I guess, the cable side of things and the TV side of things um, where, you know, you buy a spot, the spot runs in that channel, and that's it. You know, 
this is, you know, it may run on this side, it may not, we don't really know, it's, it's you know, it's basically audience-based, but it, it could be white-labeled or white-listed. White I mean, it's just, uh, there's a, I, I tell people, there's a lot of gray, it's almost all gray area with, with programmatic, so... Yeah, it's interesting because at the, at the same time, there's so much budget coming into it, and it's also one of those things that you sort of know is an inevitable evolution of the space to be able to assess. Um, that's that's one of the ways that that we sort of define programmatic is that ability to assess every ad impression sort of on its merits and 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 treat it accordingly, essentially, right? So, um, depending on who you're advertising, different different impressions are, are valued in yeah. different ways. <laughs> Agreed, exactly. Um, uh, and that's the holy grail, is knowing enough about an impression that you can say, okay, well, this is f- truly valuable for this client or this client, um, and then only buy the ones that are valuable. And so the, the promise of programmatic marketing is just immense, but it's going to take some time to deliver on that full vision. It is, and, and I think that that's one of the things that has happened. Um, there is so much promise. Um, a lot of the things do work very well. Um, but at the same time, I think it's been oversold a bit, um, you know, uh, vendors from, from all parts. Vendors, I mean, actually, I think everybody has a, a role in this where agencies sell it and vendors sell to the agencies. Um, and, and it's been sort of over, oversold, I think, uh, with a lot of hype. Um, there is a lot of promise. A lot of things do work very well. But let's not, you know, also just say that. Uh, we need to do away with you know everything else that that comes with digital marketing, such as search and, and all the other stuff. But definitely, I agree with your point. And at its core, d- you know, digital marketing works. That's that's the thing to keep in mind. There's a lot of there's sort of even I've seen some articles you know emerging in 2016 where there's a lot of cynicism. But at its core, digital marketing uh, can drive some excellent results. And it does. absolutely. And so it's a, it's just a matter of, of maturation, and and right now it does take those those Lego builders who are able to you know put together different parts in ways that 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 are beneficial, and I I, I definitely admire that that um, that description that you gave us there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So do you find that there's any difference? So you know, GoToMobi is a mobile specific company. Um. You know, we're always assessing going cross screen, but right now we're a mobile first platform. We've always sort of. Um, t- taken full advantage of the benefits that come with mobile, like the the deeper data dimensions and the location based kind of component to it. Do you find that there's uh, first first of all, are you involved in the mobile aspect of your business, and and what does that look like now? What's the split like, and what uh, do you, do you notice any difference in programmatic marketing for mobile or desktop, or is it all just cross screen at this point? Um, sure, we we are involved with with mobile. Um, I would say that. We understand internally how important it is. Um, also, because of the region that we buy in, a lot of our buys are, are done in, in Latin America. Um, mobile uh, penetration actually exceeds you know, regular uh, broadband or desktop penetration. Um, so we know it's, it's, it's extremely important. Um, the split right now, though, and what to me what's shocking is that it's still heavily focused on, on, on desktop um, and a lot of this has to do with clients not uh, being up to date with uh, responsive websites simply uh, or not having an app or, or any of those things. Um, so uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a slow process. Uh, definitely we've seen a lot more traction in mobile the last year, I would say, or two. 
Um, but I, I think there's still so much opportunity uh, to, to do even more. Yeah, a statistic, I can't actually remember the numbers specifically right now, but it's the basic disparity between the amount uh, customers spend on their mobile devices versus the amount of budget that is allocated towards mobile spends. And it's just this massive disparity where people are just spending more and more time on mobile. Um, but the budgets and the budgets are, are creeping up, but there's still so much room to go until people fully realize yeah, mobile it, as a channel. I agree. I mean, personally, I have uh, have two kids and at home, uh, I mean, I, I use my, my, my iPhone to work. I use it at home uh, to browse, to watch Netflix, to, I mean, I bas- basically use it more than, than anything. Uh, so, and like me, I know most, most people, uh, you know, uh, our generation do, do the same. Uh, so, so definitely it's, it's kind of weird how the, the, the investment isn't there yet. And you think about our kids. I have a two-year-old at home and she, uh, at <laughs> one and a half could play games and could, you know, you know, intuitively kind of manipulate the iPad. So she's yeah. growing up and, you know, I, I had the internet when I was, uh, you know, entering sort of college or sort of at the tail end of high school, and it changed my life dramatically. You know, imagine growing up in the touchscreen uh, world where everything is at your fingertips. Yeah. Um, and so the, the shift is happening. It's one of those inevitable things. It is always amazing when I hear that companies still don't have, you know, for instance, a mobile optimized website or um, even a, even before an app, you know, even just have something yeah. that, that works for mobile devices, allows purchases through mobile devices, because that's something that you see increasing more and more as well, is actual purchases being made through mobile. Agreed. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty shocking that more of them don't uh, have responsive sites. Cool. Um, so b- back to just more general focus on, on campaign analytics. I'm always interested um, from the agency perspective, you know, what, what kind of data is important to, to to you and your clients? Are you focused on the, the performance metrics, the devices, things like that? Or are you more interested in reaching specific audiences for clients? Sure. Well, I mean, you can't, you can't beat first-party data, obviously. Um, but uh, as far as uh, data, I would classify it like this. I would say first-party data is the best to use. Let's, um, let's define that. Now, is that, in this case, is that data coming from the client? Right. Gotcha. Yes, exactly. Um, and then I think, um, as you call it here, performance data or, or segment, segmentation, et cetera, uh, I think that that definitely works well. There's, there's definitely a lot of um, options and, and optimizations that can happen with, with all, the, um, all the different segments that are available, such you know, device, carry, et cetera. Uh, and lastly, I would say third, third-party data is uh, my least favorite thing, uh, you know, third-party data providers in general. Uh, I don't know why we've tested just a ton of things, and it just never seems to do as well as the others. Um, aside from data, I would say that uh, contextual targeting uh, works well, and, and obviously you know, things like retargeting, everybody knows, works well. Totally. Um, yeah, your point about third-party data is interesting. It's uh, um, you know, There are a lot of auto-intenders out there but if all those sure. auto intenders bought cars, there would be you know three hundred million cars sold in a year in the U.S. and we're not quite there. So uh, that's uh, that's an interesting point for sure. So when it comes to performance, then when you how you know as a brand, you're, am I correct in saying you're mostly a brand and you know you're mainly working directly with brands? Uh, well, we we work with we work with brands obviously, but um, our campaign objectives are 
I don't want, I don't know the exact amount off the top of my head, but it's it's split between you know brands that want performance, brands that want branding. Gotcha. And when you say performance, you're talking about conversions. Are you talking yeah. about engage things beyond engagement? I guess. Sure. Yeah, things beyond engagement. Exactly. I mean, engagement I would classify as you know a branding campaign. Uh, but we do have hard ROI, ROI clients, uh, CPA clients, uh, things like that. So we definitely, you know, run the gamut as far as um, what we, you know, types types of campaigns we launch. Nice. And you're saying that generally, you're in third with third party data, you're just generally not seeing big boosts in actual performance. No, I mean we, we've tested all sorts of providers and, and things like that, and it just. Um, I think uh, it's worth a shot to test, especially if somebody, uh, a new provider comes in with, you know, this data or that data. Um, It sounds really interesting on paper, Uh, you know, all the specific classifications of of data segments and who we are able to target, people that are traveling to New York within seven days, blah, blah, blah. Uh, It sounds impressive, um, but... In practice, I think a lot of that data is old and just doesn't function as well. I imagine one of the problems with first-party data is scale. Yeah, uh, that's true. Actually, achieving scale when you get a you know hundred thousand dollar IO and um, you know relying on first-party data, you're going to have to saturate those users quite a bit to uh, to achieve that. But it's uh, it's interesting for sure. Sure. Um, I had so I just had some que- a question around optimization. So. Um, you know, our GoToMobile comes from a performance marketing background where optimization is is sort of paramount. Where we're really able to to kind of zone in on the areas that are that are performing best. What kind of optimization uh, do you work with mostly from a from, on a programmatic standpoint? Is it is it manual? Is it fully automated? Is it a combination of both? Yeah, I want to say it's it's probably more manual than people would imagine. Um, as as smart as these algorithms and you know systems and the technology that we use are, um, you know, the system's only as good as as the users it has basically. Uh, so there, you know, whenever a campaign is set up, there's a there's a best practice and kind of a guideline that we go through. Um, I would say we allow probably uh, three or four days, maybe a week to kind of see how things are going. And from there we have a, a checklist checklist of things that um, that we monitor uh, in, in order to get it to where, to the, you know, the ROI we wanted or to the engagement we wanted or whatever the, the KPI may be. Nice. I, I, you know, I think a lot of people do assume that with, you know, that you can sort of algorithmically um, you know, optimize a campaign based on, on on rules and things, and there, you know, we, we do have the ability, for instance, to create rule based optimizations to say if this, then this; if this happens, then do this. But even still, there's there's no machine learning algorithm yet that has been been able to beat a, a savvy account manager with an eye on the campaign. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's there's a lot of. Uh... There's a lot of technology behind this, and it seems to be something of a science, or at least it's kind of uh, spun that way. But when when you have a you know a trained and experienced uh, trader, uh, it, I think it becomes more of an art. You kind of learn to read the campaigns. You kind of learn to read how how things are, are shifting and kind of where to make uh, adjustments. So I, I definitely think there's there's an art to it. 
Yeah, I agree. And speaking of art, one of the, the well, probably the one of the main uh, you know components to to solid performance in campaigns is the creative. And cre- sure. creative is something you know we have you know probably one out of every ten IOs that comes across our desk, maybe two or three. Uh, there's an ability for us to kind of help out with the creative and um, kind of try to create some things that are on brand, but but have a performance uh, focus to them, or that have a you know that that are, allow us to leverage our creative knowledge for how to, to 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 create dynamic creative that is actually that is really engaging. And those campaigns for us always perform better because we're able to apply our learnings. Are you is is are you able to to assert any sort of creative control, or are you almost always dealing with creative? directly from the brand um, we for the most part do not have any control over you know concept or creative concept um, if if the client comes to us and asks us to create a concept um, I would definitely uh, you know give my two cents um, but the and, that, and that's really one of the bigger challenges that we have and uh, on, a, on a, I think uh, Beyond just programmatic, and, and what happens is that you know we, we're, we're tied to these creatives or these concepts or this landing page, and a lot of thought doesn't go behind it, or maybe the client doesn't realize that all these things are important in the funnel to get to you know the ROI they want or the, the CPA they want. Um, technology alone can't, can't do it. If you have uh, you know creatives that aren't on target or a landing page that doesn't work right or doesn't speak to you know the the, you, the audience it, it's just not going to work i don't care uh, what you're running it's it's not going to happen or how so, well it's targeted yeah or how well it's targeted exactly it's it's not going to convert um and that's i would say that's one of the more frustrating parts of, of my job is not having that that control uh, especially with, with kind of with my background uh with affiliate marketing performance marketing things like that i i see a lot of these things Right now, and I'm like, before it even launches, I'm, I'm like, I'm sure it's going to have a tough time you know, converting. Um, but, you know, we do what we can. And that's one of those areas that I'm interested in seeing converge. And I, it's hard because, you know, brands and agencies have very specific um, artistic uh, benchmarks that need to be hit. There's there's so much about brand cohesion that's so important. But coming from a world like you and I have come from where you know that the placement of a button or um, a slight animation or very small details can add up to three times the performance sure. um, when, when you're able to make them that uh, that I'm hoping I'm hoping we can get to a place and we are with some of our clients where we're able to show um, some traction run things in parallel and say okay look at this one that had this uh, this small element performed this much better so I'm hoping I'm hoping the industry evolves to to understand um, you know creative from an engagement and from a performance uh, perspective more than just from a brand perspective and have that performance inform the brand if possible exactly which yeah is, no, i totally agree which is hard because there's there's a lot there's egos involved and there's creative directors and oh uh, yeah and sure. all that so <laughs> it's, it's always uh, been the, the battle for sure nice yeah. um so one of our big focuses in 2016 um is viewability and now viewability is something that everyone's talking about um, is it is it something that, that that you're concerned with? Is it something that, that you you talk about on your blog, or what what are your thoughts on, on this issue? Sure, uh, I guess no no programmatic conversation would be complete without <laughs> bringing up viewability and and, and fraud, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, 
you know, uh, first I want to say fraud, or, or let, let's start with viewability. Viewability is uh, can, can be it's, it's an issue, obviously. Um, and it, however, I, I just don't think it's something that will ever be solved 100%. Um, just like fraud, fraud. Uh, I mean, the sooner we we accept that it's going to be around forever, as long as there's money to be made. Um, I would say, you know, we have to find a way to to work, kind of with it in, in a sense. Um, it's just the nature of the beast. Um, you know, that, that having said that, though, I don't. We we take a lot of steps to to prevent fraud uh, or to, you know run run fraudulent sites or traffic. Um, you know things like uh, blacklisting, verification, uh, some proprietary stuff that we have in, internally. Um, but uh, but I would say that the the best defense against fraud is is having you know a hard ROI um, and, and kind of knowing your, your metrics and, and knowing uh, uh, where you should be. Uh, so then when things are off, you you know exactly what what's going on. Um, I think that's a really good point because no matter bots are you know fraud is getting more and more sophisticated. It's funny as you were talking about this, it remi it's, it's reminding me of terrorism in a way. You know, the more you fight it, the more the more it comes, and it's it's not something that's going away anytime soon. Sure. Um, but it's uh, but but in the case of I think your point is really valid about um, tying it to ROI because bots. Uh, and fraud are getting more sophisticated. They can do a lot of things. They can click. They can even fill out lead forms. That, and you know, but they don't buy anything. Exactly. <laughs> and so, and so, when you can optimize to to that those deeper funnel metrics like purchases, especially, then you're just you know by its very nature, you're going to cut out most of that stuff. Sure, sure. I mean, it's, it's a big issue, but I, I think, um, and in every conference you go to, it's it's, it's talked about and. You know, um, every other company says they have the solution, but it's just, it's, to me, it's having a technical background, it's extremely hard to really detect all the time. Yeah, and it's not, it's also a dynamic thing, too. It's, it's not, you, you can't always, you know, the fraudsters are, are incredibly advanced. You can't just, you can't, you know, use a hammer to smash it. You can't just, no, exactly. because it, cause then you block, there's, there, you block a lot of the good stuff as well. And, and, it's really uh, it, it is definitely tricky. It's something that we're constantly engaged in. We've partnered with uh, Pixelate um, mm -hmm. right now and are, and are working on some proprietary algorithms as well to, to to get rid of it. But but again, a lot of our campaigns do focus on that hard ROI, and and that's something you just can't spoof. Exactly. Yet. Yet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, who I guess who cares, right? <laughs> if, if you're gonna pay, if you're gonna if you're gonna I mean, buy, it's it's not too too far fetched to create a bot that will go in, make a sale, and then refund it. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Well, let's talk. Let's, let's talk after the show. All right. Um, so I'll put you on the spot here quickly because this this is the end of the questions I had here. But I was wondering if you have any um, predictions for where this industry is going to be going in in the coming year. Oh God, predictions are tough. Um, <laughs> I, I may have requests, and I would say that, uh, you know, technology, I, I think, and I'll give you one, one point that has become kind of a, a pain point for, for a lot of us, and that's PMPs, mm. creating private deals. Uh, those things almost never work as they're intended, um, and, and it's just, and this is more, I guess, of a venting, but, um, and, and maybe your readers or your listeners, I should say, have, have, have gone through this. Um, but I know from talking to a bunch of people, it's just never—it's it never quite goes as 
as it should. And something that's being sold as automatic becomes extremely manual in nature to try and get a campaign up and running. Um, so I'm hoping 2016 is the year that, that PMPs will finally work seamlessly as they should. Nice. That's a great prediction. Um, that's you know <laughs> something that we find as well. Uh, it's something that, you, okay, it's a direct sale. It's, it's almost like a coming full circle. Of, yeah. of of the ad business, right? It is. Where you, it where is. You, it's, you, it's crazy. You but, agree uh, to buy a swath of traffic, and you <laughs> buy it, and yeah, it's so I, t- but it's still so low tech. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. still phone calls and handshakes, and sure, uh, it's it's pretty surprising. Do you have any thoughts on header bidding? Um, header bidding, I think, is just the simply the you know the publisher's response to. Um, you know, the demand, uh, trying to bid as low as possible. I think if I were on the publisher side, I definitely need to come up with, um, something to, you know, uh, save my CPNs, you know, um, it, I, I, like I said, from the publisher side, I don't have too much experience with mm-hmm. that, but uh, it's obviously a reaction to the market. Um, and I, I guess we'll see. Nice. So as far as Program Marketer goes, is it something you're going to maintain? Do you have any other uh, exciting content coming out you're interested in plugging? Is it just something you, you do on the side? Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of it kind of died off in Q4 because just it's, it's our craziest month and I, I didn't have too much time. But I'm planning on putting up a few more tutorials um, and uh, on how to set up a campaign, for example, uh, and a few other things that will be out there. So hopefully over the next couple of weeks. Nice. Well, that sounds great. How about uh, any trade shows? We've got a pretty aggressive 2016 trade show. It'd be good to uh, to meet up and buy you a drink sometime. Are you going to be at any trade shows? Awesome. Sounds good. I will probably have to look at the calendar. I usually uh, make it out to Digiday or the Programmatic I.O. Uh, or some of the other ones. i got to look at the schedule, but definitely, man, we, we got to meet up. Nice. That would be great. Um, so if people want to find you, they can find you on Twitter? On Twitter, Exactly. Uh, what's your what's your handle again? At Program Marketer. Very nice. Well, uh, anyone interested in programmatic marketing, you got to check out programmarketer.com. Uh, Victor's putting down a lot of good information in a very uh, sometimes confusing field. So uh, be sure to check him out. And uh, Victor, again, thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, we'll have to catch up again in the future. Awesome, Eric. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, bye. Ciao.